Lesson 10 for June 2 through to 8, ready for teaching on June 9. America and Babylon. Sabbath afternoon, June 2. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great themes in the Bible of love and hope and salvation. We thank you for the themes of your greatness and your goodness to us. But we also thank you for the prophecies that are there that tell us about you and about what may happen in the future. We pray that uh, as we open your word this week, that your Holy Spirit will guide us each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Our memory text this week comes from Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. Let's read that again, Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. At that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, every one who is found written in the book. Last week we looked at the counterfeit trinity, Satan, the dragon, and the two earthly powers that together will bring persecution against God's people. One of these powers, the sea beast, described in Revelation 13, 1-10, is described as a composite of a leopard, a bear, and a lion, Images taken directly from Daniel chapter 7, verses 4 through to 6. We saw in week 6 that in Daniel 7, after the rise of Babylon, the lion, Medo-Persia, the bear, and Greece, the leopard, came the final earthly power, Rome. It started out as pagan Rome and then turned into papal Rome, the little horn power of Daniel 7, verses 7 and 8, and verses 19 to 21, and 23 to 25, that rose directly out of the fourth beast. We saw, too, that many of the characteristics of papal Rome, as depicted in these verses in Daniel 7, reappear in the sea beast of Revelation 13, 1 to 10. Hence, Bible scholars have seen Rome as one of the key antagonists in the end-time scenario of Revelation 13. However, Rome is not alone. Another power is depicted. This week we will focus mostly on Revelation 13 and the events and powers portrayed in it, and, as always, asking the questions, what do these events mean, and how can we be prepared for them? Sunday, June 3. A deadly wound healed. Question. Read Revelation chapter 13 verses 1 through to 10 and go over the reasons why these texts are referring to the papacy with regard to its role in the past and in the future. Notice specifically just how prominent a role it has given. 
What does this mean in terms of last day events? Revelation 13, beginning at verse 1. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the feet of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marvelled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for forty-two months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation." All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Although God has faithful people in all churches, Scripture does point to a specific role that this institution has played in history and will play in last-day events. Question. Read Revelation chapter 13, verse 3 again. What is happening here, and what does this teach about Rome's prominence? Revelation thirteen three. And I saw one of its heads as it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marvelled and followed the beast. For centuries, the Roman Church had been the central religion and, in many ways, the political centre of the Western world. A telling example of her power is seen in the story of Holy Roman Emperor Henry IV, who, upon angering Pope Gregory VII, came to the Pope's castle to make peace. There, the Roman Emperor was made to wait in an outer court for three days in the winter cold before the Pope granted him entrance. Gregory VII, elated with his triumph, boasted that it was his duty to pull down the pride of kings. Nevertheless, by the late 18th century, through the influence of the Reformation, the Enlightenment and the French Revolution, Rome's political and religious hegemony had been shattered. One of the popes, Pope Pius VI, actually had been taken captive by the French army in 1798 and died in exile in 1799. Revelation 13, however, speaks of a resurgence after the healing of its deadly wound in Revelation 13, verse 3. And although Rome today doesn't have the kind of political power it wielded in the day of Gregory VII, it is an influential force, both religiously and politically, thanks to the popularity of recent popes. For instance, Pope Francis speaking to both houses of the U.S. Congress in 2015 was a historical first. According to prophecy, this influence only will grow.
So to finish the day, how can we be faithful to the message that we have been called to preach, but do so in a way that causes as little offence as possible? Why, though, must we not bow down to political correctness as we proclaim present truth? Monday, June 4, The United States in Prophecy People have asked, and understandably so, how could Rome have the kind of influence today, or in the future, that is depicted in Revelation chapter 13? Long gone are the days when it could command armies such as it did in past times. The answer is found too in Revelation chapter 13. Question, read Revelation 13, verses 11 and 12. Which marks help us to identify who this power is? Revelation 13, beginning at verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. The beast that precedes this one, long viewed as Rome by Protestants, was depicted as having been given power for 42 months in Revelation 13 verse 5. The 42 months are the same as the time and times and the dividing of times of Daniel 7.25, or three and a half years, as expressed in Revelation 12, verse 14, or 1,260 prophetic days of Revelation 12, verse 6, the time during which the papal power oppressed its opponents. This prophetic time period using the day-year principle, began with the supremacy of the papacy in A.D. 38 and terminated in 1798, the year that the Pope was taken captive. At that time, the papal power received its deadly wound and the prediction was fulfilled. About this point in history, near the close of the 42 months, 1798, another power appears in Revelation 13, verse 11, and Revelation 13, verse 1. Revelation 13, verse 11 read, Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and spoke like a dragon. It arises this time out of the earth, which is in contrast to many of the previous powers which arose out of water, a symbol of masses of peoples. Daniel 7 verse 23, Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. Revelation 17.15 says, The waters which you saw, where the harlot sits, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. 
For these reasons and others, this power must be the United States of America, which arose in a relatively uninhabited part of the world, and didn't need to overthrow any major empires in order to do so. In the Great Controversy, page 440, we read, What nation of the New World was in 1798 rising into power, giving promise of strength and greatness, and attracting the attention of the world? The application of the symbol admits of no question. One nation, and only one, meets the specifications of this prophecy. It points unmistakably to the United States of America. End of quote. Although this power is described first as having two horns like a lamb, symbolizing gentleness, it will speak as a dragon, as, it, as we read in Revelation 13.11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and spoke like a dragon, indicating a time of persecution such as took place under the previous power. Revelation 13, verses 11 to 17, then, answers the question about how Rome could exert the influence that prophecy predicts. It will have the might of the United States behind it. That's how. Revelation 13, 11 to 17, reads, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs, so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Tuesday, June 5, An Issue of Worship All through sacred history, the Lord constantly had to deal with those who fell into idolatry and other forms of false worship. Matthew 4, verses 8 to 10 says, Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. In the final crisis, as depicted in Revelation 13, the issue of worship will again arise. Here too, God's people will have to make a choice about whom they will worship and serve, just like in Joshua 
24 verse 15. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In week two, in the lesson titled Daniel and the End Time, we studied the story of three Hebrew boys who were ordered to worship the golden image in Daniel chapter 3 verse 5. We saw too how Revelation 13 uses language from that chapter in depicting the persecution that God's people will face in the end times. That is, we may see what happened in Daniel 3 as a precursor to what will happen in the last days, as depicted in the immediate context of the beast's powers in Revelation 13. All were commanded to worship the golden image, or they would be put to death in a fiery furnace. Similarly, in Revelation 13, whoever would not worship the image of the beast is to be killed, as it says in Revelation 13, verse 15. Question. Read Revelation chapter 14, verses 9 to 11, 16, verse 2, 19, verse 20, and 20, verse 4. What do these verses tell us about how crucial the issue of worship will become? Revelation 14, verses 9 to 11. Then the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends for ever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. And Revelation 16 verse 2. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. And Revelation 19 verse 20, Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And Revelation chapter 20 and verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Babylon always has been a capital of false worship. The Tower of Babel testified to its builder's desire, like Lucifer, to, as it says in Isaiah 14.14, 14, ascend above the heights of the clouds, as well as to its builder's efforts to save themselves in case of another global deluge. Thus, they refused to believe God's promise never to bring another flood upon the earth, as recorded in Genesis chapter 9. The Neo-Babylonian Empire likewise exalted the work of human hands. Nebuchadnezzar extolled this great Babylon that I have built in Daniel 4.30. Later, 
King Belshazzar took the golden cups of Solomon's temple for a feast, and, as it says in Daniel 5, 3 and 4, they drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. Notice that the true vessels of the temple were filled with intoxicating wine, which deadened the sensibility of all who drank from them. As a result, many in the city perished when Babylon fell. Thus, an outward appearance of truth can deceive us by disguising the deadly wine of Babylon. False worship and false ideas are the currency of Satan's kingdom. So, to finish today, how can we make sure we aren't involved in any false worship now? Wednesday, June 6. Babylon the Great. Question. Read the following texts. What do they teach us about Babylon? First of all, Jeremiah 51, verses 6 and 7. Flee from the midst of Babylon, and every one save his life. Do not be cut off in her iniquity, for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He shall recompense her. Babylon was a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunk. The nations drank her wine. Therefore, the nations are deranged. And Jeremiah chapter 51 verses 53 and 57. Though Babylon was to mount up to heaven, and though she was to fortify the heights of her strength, yet from me plunderers would come to her, says the Lord. And I will make drunk her princes and wise men, her governors, her deputies, and her mighty men. And they shall sleep a perpetual sleep, and not awake, says the Lord, whose name is the Lord of hosts. And Zechariah chapter 2 verse 7. Up Zion, escape, you who dwell with the daughter of Babylon. And Revelation 17, verses 5 and 6. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. And Revelation 18, verses 2 and 3. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. As we saw yesterday, Babylon has a long history as the capital of false worship. So it is a fitting symbol of an end-time power that deceives the nations. Question. Compare the dragon, the sea beast and the scarlet beast in Revelation 12.3, Revelation 13.1-3 and Revelation 17.3. What are the similarities and differences? 
Revelation 12 verse 3 reads, And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. And Revelation 13 verses 1 to 3. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded." And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marvelled, and followed the beast. And Revelation 17, verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. All three beasts had seven heads and ten horns, which represent the sum total of heads and horns of the beasts of Daniel chapter 7. Each successive empire was built upon those that went before. Similarly, the scarlet beast combines elements of the dragon and the sea beast, symbolising pagan and papal Rome respectively, as well as of the land beast of Revelation 13 verses 11 to 14. Grouping all three powers, the we read in Secrets of Revelation, the Apocalypse Through Hebrew Eyes, published by the Review and Herald Publishing Association, in 2002, page 162, all three powers, all of God's enemies, into a real coalition. End of quote. An additional element in Revelation 17 is the woman who rides on the scarlet beast, symbolizing an illicit union of religious and political powers. This woman contrasts sharply with the pure woman of Revelation 12. And now we have two tables here, and I'll read them side by side so you understand. The first will be from Revelation 12, the pure woman, and the second from Revelation 17, the harlot. The pure woman in heaven, the harlot on the waters, the pure woman clothed with the sun, the harlot clothed in purple and scarlet, the pure woman crown of twelve stars, the harlot adorned with gold, gems, pearls, the pure woman attacked by the dragon, harlot supported by the dragon, pure woman mother of the remnant, harlot mother of harlots. As the mother of harlots, Babylon has been busy reproducing itself. The apostate mother church has many apostate daughters, but God does not take ownership of the errors promulgated and atrocities committed by apostate Christianity. His true people, although attacked by Satan, survive through the centuries. Revelation 14 verse 8 has already warned people of Babylon's fall or apostasy from the truth, which eventually leads to the final deception, the mark of the beast, as described in Revelation 14, verses 9 through to 11. We'll actually read verses 8 through to 11. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. 
Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends for ever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. This warning will be repeated with much greater power, culminating in one last appeal for God's people still in Babylon to come out of her and unite with God's end-time remnant church, as we read in Revelation 18, verses 1 through to 4. After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. Thursday, June 7. Come out of her, my people. Over the years, students of Bible prophecy have been following world events with great interest, particularly as they seem to relate to the end time. Think, for instance, about the role of the United States. As far back as 1851, some Adventists were identifying America as the second beast power of Revelation 13 verses 11 to 15, which was a very remarkable identification given the status of the United States then. In the mid-1800s, the big powers were still the old world ones, Prussia, France, Austria-Hungary and England. At that time, America had a peacetime army of about 20,000 men, about one-tenth the number of the combatants at the Battle of Waterloo in 1815 alone. In 1814, just 40 years earlier, the British invaded and burned Washington, D.C. In 1876, Sitting Bull's Braves wiped out General Custer's 7th U.S. Cavalry Regiment. Thus, even after some commentators identified the United States as the power that would one day enforce the mark of the beast on the world, the nation was still fighting Native Americans on its own soil, and not always winning either. No question, world events are following as we have believed they would. But still more things need to happen before we reach the end. That's why, for instance, when discussing the mark of the beasts, it's very important to emphasise that right now no one has it, regardless of whether or not they are keeping the fourth commandment. Besides, more needs to unfold. Question. Read Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 to 4. 
what is happening here, and why is this important for us to remember now? What do these verses teach us about our mission to the world? Revelation 18, verses 1 through to 4. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. These verses point a bleak political, moral and spiritual picture of the world. They show the malevolent influence of false religious teaching in the world. At the same time, though, they offer great hope, because another angel from heaven lights the world with his glory. Further, God's faithful people, the ones who haven't learned yet what they need to know, are called out of Babylon. This means, then, that right up to the end, God's people who are already out of Babylon have a work to do for those who are still in it. And so to finish the day, what should it mean to us that the Lord calls some of those still in Babylon my people? Why is this an important point for us to remember as we relate to others? Friday, June 8. Satan's attack on God's law is an attack on God himself, both on his authority and on his government. So, in the last days, in the climactic events of the final crisis, Satan will be attacking those who keep the commandments of God, as it says in Revelation 12.17 and 14.12, for they alone will be refusing to pay homage through his proxies here on earth. The battle that he waged against God in heaven long ago will be continued here on earth, and just as he was defeated in heaven, he will be defeated here on earth. Ellen White writes in The Great Controversy, page 582, From the very beginning of the Great Controversy in heaven, it has been Satan's purpose to overthrow the law of God. It was to accomplish this that he entered upon his rebellion against the Creator, and, though he was cast out of heaven, he has continued the same warfare upon the earth. To deceive men, and thus lead them to transgress God's law, is the object which he has steadfastly pursued. Whether this be accomplished by casting aside the law altogether, or by rejecting one of its precepts, the result will be ultimately the same. He that offends, in one point, manifests contempt for the whole law. His influence and example are on the side of transgression. 
he becomes guilty of all, as it says in James 2.10. And that brings us to our three discussion questions for this week. One, in class, talk about world events. In what ways are they pointing to what we believe needs to happen in the last days? What events still need to unfold? How can we learn to keep vigilant about the signs of the times while avoiding fanaticism, date-setting and making bold predictions about things that the Bible and Ellen White's writings have not explicitly taught? 2. Dwell more on the question of worship. What does it mean to worship something? How do we worship whatever it is we do worship? And 3. Dwell more on the idea that God still has people in Babylon. What do we understand as the meaning of the term Babylon, which is obviously a symbol and not literal? What does this teach us about our obligation to continue preaching our message to others, regardless of their political and or religious beliefs? Inside Story. Our mission story this week is titled Trust Jesus Hats. And it's by Andrew McChesney again from Adventist Mission. Tony Poesi, imprisoned for nine months after the death of a man in a bar fight, began a closer walk with God following his surprise release from jail in the United States of Alaska. With nowhere to go, he moved into a Seventh-day Adventist home for former inmates, the Greater Works Christian Living Centre in Anchorage. He began to have morning devotions. He attended prayer meetings on Wednesday and Friday evenings. He kept the Sabbath. It was the first time that I got to experience a real Christian family, he said. A desire swelled in his heart to share his newfound love for Jesus, and he decided to establish Alaska Street Ministry. Five days a week, he distributes glow tracts, Bible promise books, food and clothing. He prays with strangers and talks about Jesus. Tony has found that wearing a custom-made hat or shirt stamped with the words, Trust Jesus, is an excellent conversation starter. It is a great tool for witnessing, he said. A lot of people come up to me and just start talking about God. If they are responsive, I tell them how God changed my life. Tony's biggest burden, however, is his own family. He called his single mother in Shelton, Washington, shortly after being freed from jail. There is only one thing in this world that I will ask of you, he told her. I want you to do these Discover Bible studies. As a result of the Voice of Prophecy studies, his mother has quit smoking and lost 30 pounds or 14 kilograms. She keeps the Sabbath. I knew that she would never be the same after the Bible studies, Tony said. This is the power of God. Tony is now looking for new ways to share Jesus. One Sabbath, as he left church, he encountered a man carrying a large white cross. The man explained that he had been carrying the cross around the world for six years, and after hearing Tony's story, presented it to him. It took Tony quite some time to gather the courage to drag the cross across the city block, 
but when he did, the reaction was astounding. People were honking their horns and waving and saying, Praise the Lord! Tony said, It was awesome. Tony isn't convinced that the cross is the best way to witness, but he is confident that his Trust Jesus clothing is effective. He is looking to support his street ministry by selling the hats and shirts online. God gave me this fire to spread the gospel, and I still have that fire, he said. And uh, there's a photo here of uh, Tony wearing his cap, and in big bold letters it says across the front of his baseball cap, Trust Jesus. I'm sure he does that, and I hope that you're able to do that as well. Your reader for this week's Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide has been Dr. Percy Harold. It has been produced in the studios of Christian Services for the Blind, distributed under the auspices of the Sabbath School Department by HopeChannel.com.